Yeah, sort of like all the writers who went to that Drew Carey diner in there. Oh, how fucking uh, that was the best, dude! That was so cool. And I oh yeah, well somebody asked me to write who was your hero of 2023, and I wrote a whole thing about him. I read that, and that was fucking oh. awesome. I'm glad you. Yeah, I loved that man. Oh, I, yeah, I, because I he didn't make a big deal of it; he just did it. I worked with him. Um, open for him years ago. Uh, I think. I don't know if it, when he was just doing prices right or if it was like maybe in the height of yeah. him doing it it was like you know when it was awesome but um i mean not that it's not Ouch. awesome by the way that, that slipped out but you know wow. what i mean I <laughs> yeah no it's still, it's still good it's still good he's very sensitive he's, he's bad, very he was, very I... sensitive no i'm joking oh really i love that dude no good. i was like fucking i um i haven't gotten a chance to get him on yet i'd love to have him on but uh he was um we, we had a good time and it was at Bananas and I don't know if you've ever been to Bananas Comedy Club in Hasbrook Heights. And I've been like, to Pomegranates and I've like, been to, uh, <laughs> I've been to Persimmons, I've been to Pomegranates, but uh, not Bananas. Mangoes. Oh, God. <laughs> Comedy clubs are so fucking st- Tokyo Tonight. Tonight. Oh, holy wow. shit. Wow, that is fucking bananas. That was a miracle. Okay, this was many cam that was fucking me up. Well, what are you going to do? See that. Yeah, all right. I would triumph. I would say, go back to the way it was. <laughs> but I'm not trying. <laughs> very nice person. If he wants to make an appearance, no one's going to say no, no man. No. Um, Exactly. Are you allowed? Is that something that you're actually allowed to? Can you bring him wherever you want, basically, or does like no one really cares at this point? I mean, <laughs> technically NBC property, but if so, if I were to do something for like Colbert, yeah, then they care because right. that's like competing against an NBC show in a high profile gotcha. scenario. But much, awesome. uh, usually anything less than that, it's not a big deal unless I. I'm like pitching a show. Like I still, if I have an idea for a triumph show, I still pitch it. Right. I let universal know about it. And they say, yeah, that's okay. You go ahead, take it. Right. You want. And then I can do that. Oh, that's pretty cool then. Oh, that's nice. I'd like to love that. Your first answer was nobody cares anymore. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the deal with triumph anyway. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh my God. He's, <laughs> beloved. He's beloved. It's one He's of those. Beloved. It's, <laughs> I know you got a new movie coming out. I haven't seen yet. I don't know what you want to cover overall. Oh, but it's like... out. Oh, it's out. Oh, good. Okay, so the new one. Oh, it's been out since November. Oh, fuck me. I'm sorry. And dude. you, so, so just to back up, you still haven't seen it, right? I still haven't. haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. Right, I haven't seen it yet. But I did see um, Leo. Oh, that's the movie. Oh, I'm oh, okay, so embarrassed good. now. Oh, no, I was talking the about the other oh, movie. Oh, oh, that's you texted when me. You that say I have a movie coming out. I think a movie that I made. The, 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 the other one, gotcha. I just showed up and played a rabbi, and it <laughs> belongs to Nathan Silver. And, um, yeah, he, he directed that movie, and, and, um, it's a wonderful movie called Between the Temples, and it, uh, mm. 
it was uh, a hit at Sundance and it was sold to Sony Pictures Classics. So it'll be in like festivals and shit. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure because I was like, you did accidentally send me the text. So was I supposed to get that and to see that movie or? Oh, no, no. That was an accident. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. No, but I did see Leo Man and I yeah. fucking loved it. I mean, I think I, I texted you about it briefly, but really like, you know, there's not a lot of animated movies I see late, like nowadays. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll, I'll check out a, you know, there's no real reason for me to go unless I'm taking like a, a nephew or something like that, you know? Um, right. But, uh, but I was like, Oh, I'm definitely going to watch like, this looks like it'll be a lot of fun or whatever. And it was like above and beyond my expectations for an animated film, just because it hit like all the right spots. Like it had, uh, mm -hmm. it was, you know, what was cool about it. It felt like, uh, the stuff that I would probably, my parents would go see with me when I was a kid who I got to enjoy later as an adult, because there was adult shit in there. Like there was still like oh, yeah. humor mixed in that everybody could laugh at no matter what. Yeah. And I tried to, um, I don't really like it. So I'm not that excited about doing kids stuff and right. like sneaking in adult humor that has nothing to do with the movie, but like, right. it's like a pop culture reference or something like that, that sure. would go over the kids heads. That's not really interesting to me. What I liked about Leo was that it's about, uh, elementary school. So it, and it, it's not like some, you know, supernatural story. Right. It's about kids in an elementary school, but it's also got teachers and parents. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, everybody's either going to relate to it for having been in elementary school or having had a kid, um, or both. Yeah. You know, or teaching in it. Yeah. Or, but, you know, there, so I felt like most of the adult humor was character driven and not, you know, inorganic, which right. was really important to me. Like, I've never enjoyed cartoons that sneak in. Like, I don't know, I guess your generation probably worships like Animaniacs kind of thing. Oh, yeah, we do. Totally Animaniacs. Yeah. Pinky in the Brain and, and Pinky uh, in the Brain, I thought was pretty clever. Yeah, that was great. Mindy and Buttons. I don't um, know. I don't Mindy, know. What that Mindy is. was the little girl, and Buttons was the dog who was like uh, supposed to watch her. Like you know, um, that it was, was just, its own show. That was its own show within Animaniacs. It was oh, within Animaniacs. Now, Animaniacs, I like watched once and was completely turned off by it. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I felt like it was very much like cutesy, kind of like trying to be appealing to adults without really it yeah. didn't do it for me i don't know no it did it did absolutely have that kind of like you know that no kid watching it at all would understand the spielberg right. any of those references it was not right. yeah it was all about the studio and, and then like then spongebob came along and to me that was like miraculous yes that was to me that was the best cartoon that had come along for adults and kids since bugs bunny honestly yeah because it was all character driven, it was very emotional in a hilarious way. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the kind of, that's like my favorite kind of comedy, like original Bugs Bunny cartoons. Same. There's so much going on in Bugs Bunny cartoons beyond just, you know, 
uh, someone trying to kill a rabbit. I mean, just like, just, you know, moments when Bugs Bunny like appeals to the person's ego as a means of tricking them, like that kind of stuff. It's just so primal, but sophisticated at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And genuine, like, you know, it's not overly smug either. Like, like I always think of the one with, um, in the, uh, with Gossamer, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like genuinely terrified. And then also like, you know, again, like appealing to his, his monster's side or whatever. And just like all of that wrapped into one is so great. And even the one with like, um, I, I, the, one of my favorites is Porky Pig and Sylvester when they go into the haunted house together. And it's just a classic, like, you know, the Porky's the guy who doesn't believe anything is happening. And Sylvester this entire time is trying to save Porky's life. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's like yes. the best dynamic ever. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, th- I think my favorite single Bugs Bunny cartoon is um, called Bully for Bugs. It's when Bugs uh, accidentally digs his way. Uh, he thinks he's going to Albuquerque. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he ends up in a bullfight. Yes. And it's just Bugs Bunny. <laughs> It's just the most insane physical jokes. Yeah. Uh, Bugs Bunny uh, trying to outwit this bull. And it's, uh, I remember actually one time watching it in a hospital waiting room. And it was just, it just came on television like a miracle. Just like my dad was really sick and there it was. And um, it's just so pure and perfect. Yeah, man. No, I know. I, I have such a good, like, core memories of that show comforting me at weird like uh uh like at the weirdest times of like like this is you know uh probably a a, should be a fucked up memory but it's not for me you know my when my parents before they divorced they used to fight like horrible fights all the time and i would just pop in a vhs of uh that somebody and and it was and that those are the memories i have and it's like you know the one where daffy and bugs um go to the uh, arctic and it's like the abominable snowman's there or whatever. So they're kind of trying to oh, turn man. him against one yeah. another. You know, Daffy's like, and then, you know, the other one where Daffy's Robin Hood, uh, you know, and that kind of <laughs> shit. So like, I just have these bizarre memories of like slight screaming. Wow. <laughs> also like, this is so good, you know? So it's just a, it's a weird juxtaposition, but it was necessary. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there's a lot of things that we use to escape and that's just one yeah. of the more high quality ones. Yeah, <laughs> definitely Absolutely. beats uh, your average uh, trip through TikTok. Did you? Oh, God, man. Yeah, that's just <laughs> a, a terrible day. Terrible day on TikTok. Always. Yeah. Uh, did you watch um, I don't, or, or your kids? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, like I was uh, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Um, I watched that kind of stuff. But like uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, I remember watching when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, well, you had the incarnation where they were already the 80s incarnation the 80s incarnation i had like the 60s incarnation (laughs) which was uh they were a little less cute oh okay (laughs) a little alvin was a slightly bigger asshole and there were more characters with like thick foreign accents that would not be as acceptable oh i've never seen these yeah yeah there's like uh well, there's still Dave Seville, but then sure, <clears throat> but it wasn't as cutesy. It wasn't always about the music group, and um, and there were other departments. There was like a professor. Uh, I can't articulate it well enough to eat up podcast valuable podcast time, but, <laughs> but you could probably find it 
on the it was called the Alvin Show. Okay. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think yeah. I may have seen some clips. I, I know it was very, you know, classic crude 60s 2D animation. Yeah. It's funny that you say there was a professor in that show because you wouldn't think so. But now that I think about it, there were like that must have been a thing back in professors? those days. Yeah. There was a professor in every I remember a Disney oh, yeah. cartoon I used to watch when I was like a, a little kid and there was a guy who was a professor and he's a duck and he had a really German thick German accent. Yeah. And now that I think about it, why? Probably because like Freudian psychiatry, it's like that, that whole wave became really big in the fifties and sixties. Okay. And it's probably just, uh, you know, exponentially grew as a comic reference, like starting with, you know, sophisticated stand-up comedians and then just working its way down yeah. to <laughs> children's television. That's such a great, <laughs> It's just like a trope. It's like, uh, you yeah. know, the way like white guys acting black became a trope in, you right. know, zeros and tens comedy. I don't yeah. know what to call those decades. They're not catchy. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, they're definitely the aughts. not. The aughts. The uh, I, I think people call it the aughts. And then you just sound like like you're like pretentious about it. Pretentious, oh, you know, yeah. I like calling it the zeros, but nobody. The zeros are pretty great. That describes most of the people that came out of it. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, you brought it home. Boom. Um, <laughs> that describes all the music of that, <laughs> which is sad because now that's my unless nostalgia. Unless Gnarls Barkley is <laughs> where's CeeLo Green now? He was in the first Hotel Transylvania. Oh, that's and right. then there was like some sex scandal. I can't remember what happened, and they took him out. It was very funny because, like. I read about when you that. work on a kid's movie for a giant corporation, there's like a very low bar. <laughs> Miley Cyrus was supposed to play the original lead in that movie, uh, the daughter of Dracula. And uh, she actually like recorded the whole thing and she was just lovely to work with. And then she licked a, she licked a cake that was shaped like a penis. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> they were like, how can we... <laughs> parents are gonna be like they don't want to see a movie with the penis liquor she oh, had already God. had like one incident um before that that they had let go but then the penis licking was that's too much what, yeah that that's where they draw the line also what are you supposed to do with that kind of shaped cake i don't <laughs> i mean like <laughs> i mean yeah you could make a case that that's uh less offensive than eating it yeah yeah right i mean <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> oh we can't air this podcast now because we joked it. that's it that's the my uh, my higher ups who are just nope me you on have higher thing. ups no i didn't think so <laughs> no, <it's laughs> only one of them like... would have gotten your camera working sooner <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Wow! You know what's crazy about the the dick yeah. licking thing from Miley though, like or yeah. dick cake, I should say, is like when when I was a kid, you know, Buddy Hackett was doing voices of the seagulls in movies, and you know, like he was in the Little Mermaid, he was Scuttle, right? And then like Richard Pryor did voiceover work, but like they never went like, oh man, Richard set himself on fire. We can't have him doing. Well, they didn't do it like if he had set him if if that cartoon had come out. There's always tragedy plus time with these things, you know. Right. Like Miley could do a cartoon now. 
Sure. There's, but, but, you know, this is like right at the height of it. Like, you know, yeah. And then after that, Miley just let loose and she, you know, was like, okay, fuck it. And then she did the thing with Robin Thicke on, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, nobody's going to hire Richard Pryor like right as his nose is burning off (laughs) (laughs) for a kid's cartoon. But, you know, a couple of years later, everyone forgets. I mean, Jesus Christ, Mel Gibson's been in like how many Christmas movies? That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I mean, I'm always mystified how some people are just never going to be on television again, mainstream TV again for whatever it is they did. But Mel Gibson, you've got audio tape of him shouting the N word. Yeah. Forget the Jewish stuff. Let's forget he ever said the stuff about the Jews. Right. Yeah. Let's just talk about the the audio tape that his wife recorded, huh? Right. I said, I think most people have forgotten about that, too, because it's always like, a, you know, guys, he said some fucking shit about the Jews, too. Well, um, I mean, yeah, it is weird and also weird for like, I, I always find that kind of thing interesting where like they try like somebody in Hollywood does something and then they try to get everyone else in Hollywood to comment on it. And I always feel like, you know, when they're when they're surprised that they won't, I'm like, of course they won't, because in like a year, he's they're going to be their lead in a movie that they're in together like are you well, i mean that's nuts? why will smith wasn't thrown out after decking well he didn't deck him. fucking nuts slapped him but he wasn't thrown out because he was will smith yes way too valuable when i remember tweeting that night uh if it had been rob schneider he would have been shot on site <laughs> <laughs> but, you know but it was like the most this got billion dollar movie star then a few days later, there's so much backlash that they're like, 10 years. Yeah. We're 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> but oh, like in, in the moment when your character is really being tested. Yes. Everyone failed. Yeah, Just exactly. They're patting him on the back. It's, it's going to oh be all right. God. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then they, you know what I love about that too, is like the fucking God bullshit, right? Like just the whole thing of like, uh, you know, like. Uh, you know uh, what's his name denzel was like you know when the lord is testing you like shut what fu- shut the fu- like that this is not medieval no. times where you can go into a court and then be like your honor he only killed his wife because the devil had a hold of him and everyone's like oh right the de- yeah that has happened to me a couple yeah times. i guess i would i'm a little sympathetic because you know a guy like that probably knows will smith really well mm-hmm. and knows a lot more about what he's been going through than we do yeah. Yeah. And has compassion for him, you know, just like certain people that were canceled that I knew. Sure. And I, you know, and I knew these beautiful sides to those people. And yeah. so it was very hard for me to just like, I'm writing this person off. No, I don't even mean writing yeah. them off. I just mean like, I really wish but, they would have gone into mo- like, I really like, I, I, maybe it's just me because I'm not like into that, into that kind of stuff. But I think when you go up on a world stage and then say something like, you know, I'm, I'm the, the, like something, I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was having to do with God and the devil yeah. testing you. I feel like it'd be so much better if they were just like, man, this guy's really going, like, it's a mental health thing. He's going through some shit so much better than like blaming it on, you know, shit that maybe people don't believe, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? It never works for that person guess, I'm yeah. in favor of. I don't yeah. know. You know. No, you're right. You're right. You're the, you're the night. Yeah, you're coming up. I'm a I'm a dick about it. I'm too. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. And that, and it wasn't Denzel who said it publicly. It was Will Smith quoting right. Denzel. Denzel said it, yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. But I mean, no. But I mean, he shouldn't have been there. He just shouldn't have been no, able true. to do a speech. There's got to be some kind of accountability for 
Well, it's I noticed just, the following year. Not a year good example got, to set. Yeah, for, and I noticed the following year they got rid of that slapping ramp that they put up there, so that probably helped. <laughs> I think a great deal. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what I want to also before they, I, was there. <laughs> it would have been funny if they had like made the stage like twenty feet high, just to make it impossible for people to. Just as a preventive measure. And and even if they would have like seriously announced that at the beginning to pat yeah. themselves on the back, we have taken steps. <laughs> you just see Actually, Kimmel on a Kimmel riser. Did, Kimmel's monologue was really funny when he, he was. when he talked about, you know, we've got Aquaman here and it was such a great <laughs> way to turn the superhero plague into lemonade. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that would have been great though, if it was that high and to see like some, yes. some, somebody like people like trying to climb up to accept their Oscar. Like. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> oh, worst fuck. example of uh, the craziest award show I ever went to in terms of like making it difficult for uh, winners was I got to go to the um, creative arts Emmys. Ooh you know, that happened like yeah. a week before, before yeah. I call them the Shmemmies, but, um, they, uh, are for all the categories that, you know, a national TV audience would be bored by basically. Right. Right. Except for, for some reason, best guest actor in a, in a series, that's like a sexy category that they keep for that show Oh, or no one would come, I guess. I don't know. Right. But, um, <laughs> the, the year I did it, they, they asked me to perform as triumph. So I did a whole thing, but I also was up for an award for a night of too many stars, the autism benefit. But nice. what they had was a clock that they, there are so many awards mm -hmm. at this show. Cause there are just so many Emmy awards to right. be given out every year that, you know, if they were all on one show, it would literally take seven hours. But, um, they were trying to, uh, now they do it in two nights because they realized it's just way too many awards. But wow. here they were still doing it in one night and they had a rule. They tell you at the beginning of the show, okay, when your name is announced as the winner, this clock on stage, this 45 second clock is going to start mm -hmm. from the moment your name is announced. So you have 45 seconds to not just make your speech, but to get up from your seat get to the stage and make your speech. Right. I mean, it was almost like punishment Yeah. <laughs> to win. Women were taking off their shoes to allow themselves to get on stage faster so that they would have a reasonable amount of time Wow! To thank the people that they wanted to thank. It was that, that is ridiculous. so fucked up. Yeah. I, remember, I remember a legitimate Emmy Awards where for some reason, they seated people in the fucking back. It may, it may, it has oh, to really? have been an Emmys. It was only within like the last five years or something like that. It was like a really awkward. Oh, you know what it was? Was it the one? It may have been the tables? one where, what'd you say? Where there were tables? Where there were tables. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. it took, the, like they were like moving around and whatever. And I was sure. like, why the fuck did they do this to them? This is, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like a relay race. They were like, you know what? You accepted right. for me. You're closer. Everybody else. No, I know they still at the Oscars. Like when they have those categories that they try to get rid of and everybody complains like Questlove was all yeah. the way in the back. Yes. We that was fucked to, up. Uh, yeah. It took like forever for him to get to his, uh, 
Also, what was really weird, I think, this time around for one of the award, what was it? Uh, was it the Emmys this year or whatever? I felt bad for. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name, but she's in that White Lotus. Uh, she's hilarious. Um, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Love Jennifer Coolidge. But it was so weird because I don't know if she wasn't in on the bit or what, but you know, she got cut off the last time, like the Emmys cut her off. But then she started dancing. Yes. Which is yes. exactly, oddly enough, which is what I did. When I, I won that year for Night of Too Many Stars. Oh, right. And by the time I got up, it was almost time to cut me off. And so I started dancing to the music. Like, yeah, I just started going nuts. And I got applause. And then I just stayed on stage. And I said, I just want to say something about autism. And they, and then like Heidi Klum was like, let him talk. Nice. Nice. That's great. <laughs> she was like in the front row. So Fucking I got to awesome. finish my speech. Um uh, after but yeah that was funny that jennifer coolidge danced uh yeah the same thing but what were you going to say what did she do this year oh, so this year the the whatever I, i'm again i don't know because i wasn't involved in it but it did look like she got fucked again because um whoever was hosting uh his, his, they, they were as a joke they were like my mother my mother's gonna yell at you right and then she started yeah but then the, the mother like did start yelling and it didn't look like jennifer coolidge was in on it and i don't know that the mother really knew that she shouldn't have been doing this, but she was like, baby, that's it. And she was like, I know, I know, but can you just give me like one more second? And then this dude's mom was just like, no, no. I was like, what is happening? That's fantastic. Felt, it's just wild. I'm yeah, like, I oh. heard about the mom thing. I didn't watch the Emmys this year. It actually sounded like a really funny bit that the mom yeah. was going to cut people off. It, How it many was, times it, did the mom have to cut people off? She... Um, not that many times, like a couple more times, but what John Oliver did when he got up there, he's like, I'm going over my, I'm not leaving until, until he gets cut off. It yeah. was, that was fucking genius. And he, then he started yeah. listing like sports figures or like phone, but I don't know what he was doing, but it was fucking, it was just so yeah, I don't blame him. I would have liked to be cut off. Yeah. Right. That was like, that was gold. But I felt, I was like, oh, I don't think Jennifer Coolidge knows this is a bit. There's just some random woman in the audience screaming at her. <laughs> this is I actually got to work on an Emmy show one year in 1988, I think Ooh. so many years ago. And Lauren Michaels produced it. So I got to be one of the writers and it was a strange one. Like we, we had like uh, the Sweeney sisters were opened it and it, it had some SNL touches, but Lauren Michaels himself had a really funny idea, which was a designated acceptor for anybody who, um, wasn't who there, isn't, uh, who isn't there. Yeah. So we had Tony Danza was like the perfect choice to be the designated acceptor. Cause he was the kind of actor everybody loves, but would never win an Emmy. Right. So, <laughs> And then it ended up happening like six times. Wow. Just happened to be a show where six different people did not show up who won Emmys. And it just became funnier and funnier. Oh, my God. That's great. Tony Danza is just up there every single time. Yeah. And he's like, first, he's like feigning excitement. And then it's like, oh, this is even better. And then, you know, then he's at one point, he's like, now I'm getting mad. <laughs> with these people i'm taking one for me this yeah, is ridiculous yeah. it's pretty great oh my god that's hilarious yeah those can be fun i mean i uh I, I didn't did you watch the globes this year i'm really so sick of award shows i i i, I watched joe coy's monologue after the fact yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's it and i you know and i on the one hand felt bad because um you know yeah i felt like oh he's not part of the club so they're not gonna Exactly. give it up for him you know yeah. uh 
if it was somebody that they, you know, were friends with and had some sort of mutual uh, awareness of, they would put up with it more. Yeah. But, totally. you know, then Joe, you know, you shouldn't uh, ever. The only other person I've ever seen blame the writers was Jay Leno. I used to see him do that occasionally yeah. on his uh, Tonight Show model. Yeah, okay. The writers want that would be in the work. <laughs> that kind of thing yep it's like no you're the you're the producer of your monologue you made the choice to put that joke in it doesn't matter yep. who wrote it yeah nobody no forced you to do it and um it's bad form and i'm sure joe felt bad afterward but it, what a terrible position to be in you know? absolutely like you could anybody who's bombed on stage before or, or or doesn't know what it quite is going to happen or work like shit's just flying into your head you know in that moment, yeah. it, it was a, it was a bummer. Like the like the that was the only thing that I thought. Oh, that fucking sucks when he blamed the writers. I was like, that's a. Then he did it a couple more times, and I was like, what? Is, what is happening? I was like, all right, he slipped. He slipped once. He was trying to. <laughs> and then he just kept fucking. He's doubling like, down. Oh, okay. He means it. Uh, some there was a feud backstage, but it was kind of like that thing. Like it, I almost felt the same way with the um with the Chris Rock slap thing, where I was like, man, can Hollywood hate? comedians enough were like they just don't give an inch like yeah you don't know the guy but for fuck's sake man he's he's uh there to soft shoe for you guys you know oh well yeah you're right i mean you know chris has hosted a couple of times and he <laughs> he's he said some of the funniest jokes i've ever heard on the oscars mm -hmm. but it's Makes he's never sense. been completely warmly received because no. they know he's coming at it from not a place of reverence i think kimmel's actually should do it every year because i think kimmel is very funny and everyone's just comfortable with him he has a talk show he knows everybody and he's and, developed that uh, relationships those relationships outside of it too so that's like the, yeah. the one thing that i noticed the difference of is like a carson and those dudes like they had parties they were invited to things they were so when you have a comedian who's like not you know hasn't played poker with you or doesn't know your kids they're probably just like fuck this clown you know what i mean yeah, and everybody's nervous anyway, and they're taking it. Award shows in general are just like they're just taken way too seriously. I mean, it's all just a hype machine that you know everything's yeah. feeding everything else, and you know the the, the media hypes it because they need the attention. They want to give it. They want this to get attention. Yeah, um, and, and, and oftentimes uh, it's not even the stuff that like you know the audience necessarily may have liked or wanted to see, you know what I mean? Like some stuff is definitely like, I I'll be like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. This was a great movie. But nine times out of 10, I'm like, it isn't even what I had the most fun seeing with people. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's thing. all, it's just inherently, um, just counterintuitive. Like, why are we putting these things in competition with each other? It's so ridiculous in the first place, especially comparing acting performances. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I don't even understand how you can look at like, I, I, who are we to even like, I know it is a weird. Oh, Al Pacino was so much better than, you know, yeah. Uh, and and what's really funny is is like the things that they they like uh what's his Bradley Cooper man which by the way I think is so like I I feel that guy wants to win an Oscar so fucking badly it almost makes me like like but like he you know they're like 
all the press stuff building up to it, I feel that's a that's got to be exhausting to be like. Well, I hate that. I hate that people feel like they need to win Oscars for validation. That's what's also awful. Yeah, totally. Bradley Cooper is an amazing actor. Right. He's and he like, did the six month thing for the you know whatever he did to whatever prep. he's great in that movie he was amazing in that David O Russell movie oh totally good that was uh, fucking awesome two, actually two David O Russell movies yeah um, the one that Silver Linings Playbook oh, like I know movie. Jennifer Hudson no Jennifer Lawrence Lawrence J Law J Law won the Oscar and she was great but I thought see I thought like what the fuck do I know but I thought Bradley Cooper was the most amazing part yeah. of that movie and i thought he was the most amazing part of um the next david o russell movie american whatever hustler. american hustler yeah that was fantastic Brilliant yeah movie. so i you know i i don't know the whole thing is just feeds on itself and yeah it's so ugly like and he he made a i i, I liked maestro a lot i thought it you know and people are just like why isn't it focused more on yeah the, the 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 art and it's like well he chose to make it about the marriage that's what he made the movie about it's like somebody else can make the other one if they want i, I don't know it's, it's yeah you're never going to please everybody for that kind of shit they always want something like even the the queen the the um the movie about queen but i can't think of the name of it bohemian rhapsody was that the name yes, of it? yes yes yeah there was like you know i saw it i liked it i understood the i mean i know the band like history well so obviously there was going to be shit when i was watching it where i was like that's out of order, but you're, you're not watching it for that. You know what I mean? You're just, you know, right. you're, you're watching it for the movie's sake, but there were people who were just mad that he wasn't fucking enough in it. And I was like, <laughs> what are you going to do, man? I mean, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. make that movie one day. <laughs> like, I guess. Perhaps, yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like, and in, and in the Bernstein movie, he's fucking too much. <laughs> it was too much about his yeah. sexuality and their, in their opinion. Right. Uh, and not enough about the art. Yeah, so, it's, like, you're never going to hit all the right points. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, it, it is, it is just weird. Um, I want to go back to one thing before I forget because I yeah, did yeah. love this thing about. Yeah, Leo. No, it was great. I love this. Is this whole show gets off track? It doesn't even matter. Um, but like uh, the helicopter parenting and the Leo thing, I thought was mm. fucking hilarious. Like I, like that was just. Uh, a couple things that I had to point out to people, which is always fun to do, would be like, that's about helicopter parent. Because they were like, oh, I get it. He's got a drone. I'm like, because the drone was literally, was that supposed to be like a helicopter parent? You know, I didn't come I up with that. the drone. That was a writer, Paul Sato, in an earlier draft had that character. And um, I mean, we, I expanded it into doing a lot of other things, but mm -hmm. I don't know that he was necessarily making a play on the term helicopter parents he might have oh. been i never asked him i just drones have just become so yeah you know omnipresent in our world that it felt like just a natural uh extension of helicopter parenting to employ a drone to just survey hilarious kids, yeah you know? but yes there happens to be that term helicopter parent at the same time so it could have been yeah that's what I, I was like. This is fucking so meta. Like, it's one of those things that I was just like, it's so layered because, yeah, drones have infiltrated every aspect of our life. But yeah. this, this drone happens to act exactly like how I, I see some parents acting, putting their kid in a bubble kind of thing. They always have to win, yeah. you know, yes. like and I was like, oh, that is just all of that is so layered and like pretty, pretty fucking genius. And then um, yeah. and I just love the kindergartners, like just the mm -hmm. pure mayhem, the 
the weird heads, you know, the fate, like, yeah, that, that was that, tricky trying to get that look right and not have it feel too much like minions, not have it feel right. too much like the little kid in South Park who's like, like basically two semi, two half circles that just open and sure. close. Um, yeah, it took a lot of time to figure out a look that people would like that would feel original enough. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Also, the theme in the movie too, like just kind of acceptance and and getting through kids and what they're going through and stuff like that. What like was there uh, a strong element of that that you wish you had had in your life? Because that was the cool thing yes. about it too. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Like, where did it all? I mean, come I didn't from? know it at the time. Right. I was just a kid who had insecurities and just kept them to myself, basically. Right. You know, and um, and that pretty much was an, a quality I had from like probably second grade all the way through college <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, like I just, and my defense mechanism was being funny. Sure. Same. You well, know? like that, those kind of movies and films were important to me. Like I couldn't wait for my little cousin to watch this. Like that was one of those things, yeah. you know, there aren't a lot of movies I watch that I can recommend, you know, but like, I was like, you know, <laughs> horror genre, usually what I, I dabble in sometimes, right. or you know, whatever. But like, um, this is one of the, like, I immediately like just texted my uncle and was like, you gotta let you, you and Samantha gotta watch this kind of thing. Cause like movies like this, when I was younger were, unbelievably important to me like they were just shit that i carried with on the awkward school bus rides yeah to whatever because i was like there was a i don't know if you had this too where like there was this weird awareness when people were making art that it was made by grown-ups and so i would just go oh then these grown-ups must have also been a kid like me and felt that way because they made this mm -hmm. thing so i was like i need this thing to be passed on to like the younger people like i made my best friend who's i'm i'm uh his kids call me uncle. So I'm like, they're, you know, they're my nephews. I always call them all the time. But like, I'm like, you guys got to watch Leo. Cause like, I know they're going through stuff and I'm like, it's, it's yeah. important to have it and to see it and to, you know, um, have it explained in that kind of way. So I really appreciated, you know, yeah. I mean, there wasn't much like that when I was a kid other than peanuts, you know, peanuts was like oh, the first thing the that existed where kids kind of, where there was like an ensemble of kids and they didn't just talk about, wasn't like Mickey Mouse Club kind of right, right. Um, where they were all pretty. <laughs> I yeah, remember they're all pretty and happy, cool. and um, yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, and, I was like, I don't look like that. <laughs> no, and it was just such a joy that nothing gets resolved. Like it was such a relief, yeah. you know, and cathartic in a way to have a comic strip like that, where <laughs> where people are not necessarily getting what they want all the time. Yeah. Just kind of like took a lot of pressure off or made me feel less alone. I, I don't know what it was, but um, I was, I was insanely addicted to it when I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah. And I remember like, I, I mean, my dad gave me a book when I was uh, seven years old. He uh, was in the summer and he just, handed me a, he bought a paperback book of uh, peanuts cartoons and I didn't even know anything about peanuts at that time. I might've been like peripherally aware of the Christmas special, but not really. And, um, and I just, it was the latest I'd ever stayed up at night, just reading this book, this, yeah. this collection of comic strips. 
And I remember it was also the hardest I'd ever laughed in my life up to that point. You remember moments like that. Totally. Like the first time you laughed insanely hard. Mm-hmm. And it was at a, uh, he did a lot of physical humor that people don't even remember, but it was just Linus drawing his bow and arrow. He was excited. And uh, it was like, I'm going to shoot this arrow and you're going to chase it, Snoopy. He pulls the arrow back, lets it go. And Snoopy's just like on all fours, like right mm-hmm. next to him. And he just snares it. Like the second it leaves, <laughs> the second it leaves the arrow, Snoopy just snares it. And just like very bored, just looks at him. And I just laughed so hard at the combination of the silly physical comedy and at Linus's disappointments being shattered. <laughs> Absolutely. It just made me so happy. Um, I remember one, uh, and I think it was from late, late, like 60s, early 70s, because I, again, I had those books that like my parents had given me, like, you know, the little, you know, and I'm oh, yeah. looking through it. And Fawcett uh, Crest. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so, what um, this was. It was a Fawcett Crest 50 cent or 40 cent book called Here Comes Snoopy was the first one I ever got. Oh, my God. I wonder. I got to look at yeah. my uh, I'll send you a send you a text if I find it. Um, but there's <laughs> one of, you know, and being a kid who was, you know, sometimes sad, you know, or whatever shit wasn't happening or, or whatever the fuck it was when I was in school. <laughs> But I'm, you know, whatever, you know, when you're five and nothing's working out right. <laughs> but I was flipping right. this book and it's Charlie Brown and he's and he's walking and he's got his head down and he's just sad. And then he passes yeah. um, somebody else and they're also sad. And, and then they're just like, oh, what a terrible day, you know, whatever. And then he passes Schroeder and it's Schroeder's like, oh, God, you know, whatever. And then the next panel, Charlie Brown's got his head up. And he's just like, ah, man, there's nothing, uh, nothing quite soothing as finding out that everybody else is just as miserable as you are. Yeah. <laughs> it really loves company. Yeah, no. Oh, it's, my God. That is great. Yeah, no, it was, it was beautiful. And um, I guess I was, uh, I mean, it wasn't like I was an unhappy kid because I really right. wasn't. But a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was funny. Yeah. And that just, I just kind of skated through life that way. Like I was very popular because I was funny. Yep. And, but that became like just how I functioned was by being funny. And, and because of that, like, I just kind of didn't really learn how to be a whole person (laughs) for a long time. And, uh, and like I said, like I had, I, I kind of knew it underneath, Mm. uh, but I didn't have anybody I didn't have a Leo or anybody like there'd be moments where I'd, I remember one camp counselor, like briefly having a heart to heart and it just feeling so just wishing that I could just have this all the time. Yeah. And then it just disappeared. And then, you know, one guidance counselor in college for like a day. And then I just never went back. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that I was unloading on and, um, I don't know. I just like there was a part of me that didn't didn't want to face my uh, problems, I guess. Yeah, no, totally. And it's and it's harder when you get older, too, because then your brain is just so used to those patterns of like like control yeah. alt deleting a bunch of shit that are popping up, too. So you're just like, ah, we'll deal with that later. Uh, that's yeah. fine. You know, nobody. And, and what's weird is, too, is that nobody else acknowledges it in you either, because you are always that person that's kind of funny and on. Oh, yeah. Everyone else is allowed to be expressive in there 
so they don't even think you have like you know nobody's or, noticing any of this no no no, no. i'm just this happy kid who makes fun of other kids and <laughs> everybody loves it exactly. i would imitate everybody I would either imitate people or draw cartoons of them. Like that was my first talent. When I was five years old, I oh learned that I could draw Fred Flintstone really well. And I really felt special. Like, oh my God, I can't, I didn't realize that this is a thing I can do. And like, people yeah. are amazed by it. And, and um, but then I, yeah, I would imitate people too. And then I would write songs about people, <laughs> <laughs> like little jingles. I had a lot of weapons and, um, Oh, that's such a great, you know, and I never thought it was being mean. Cause I just thought I was, these Surviving. are really funny. I thought yeah. I was just making people laugh. Yeah. Like I didn't really have this, um, empathy chip in my brain quite yet. I did have empathy on some level. Like I was the guy who always like, even the kids I picked on, I would, I would make sure to invite them to, my birthday party. Sure. Yeah. Like all the other kids, like all these kids who would never be invited to anyone's party. I would always make a point of inviting them. Nice. So I had that, but at the same time, like it didn't extend far enough to like when I would make fun of them and anyone would ever get upset, I'd be like, come on, man. It's yeah. Funny. It's like you're 12 years old and you have boobs and you're a guy. Right. That's, that's not right. That's funny. That's not right. No, I know. It, but it, but there is something to that psychology, too, of, you know, I love that you invited them afterward, too, because you do have to kind of condition people to an extent of being like jokes or joke. Like, I don't mean like this That's is my way I of thought at the time. Yeah. yeah. I really sincerely did not think. Right. That they should feel hurt. I don't know. No. What but I grew up like not thinking like my friends and I would do that to each other. So that is how like some yeah. people do come. It's weird because yes. I think like. No, I have my kids are like my boys are like that. My twins. Nice. <clears throat> they just <clears throat> that's like a guy thing that I never really experienced yeah. where people just give you give each other shit. Yeah, that wasn't I was with a nerdier group and I the shit I would give people wasn't like wisecracks. It was like songs impressions yeah. cartoons like much more detailed roasting i guess the cartoon stuff is so wild dude because that is what that's one of the first i, I thought i was going to be a cartoonist like for the longest time i wanted to be a cartoonist only yeah, because i was funny and people said you should be a comedian but i never would acknowledge it because i thought if i did that was like a death sentence to the comedy dream is if more people knew that that's what i was aiming for they would put me down for it and they'd be like, you don't get to do that. So if I was quiet about it, oh, yeah. I was like, wanna, I'll, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'll let other people say it. That's fine. But I'm going to yeah, draw. I, oh, yeah. That's an affliction that I've had at different times, too, where you don't mm -hmm. want to come out and admit that. Yeah. Whether it's liking a girl or wanting to. <laughs> Holy shit. You're so fucking right, dude. I didn't even connect those two. Till you just yeah. said that just now. Yeah. But that is so true. I, I sort of got my theme song in like high school was like Hide Your Love Away by the Beatles because I never, <laughs> <laughs> like John Lennon said, I was like, I will yeah. never, I can't do it. I won't let anybody know. It was too embarrassing. No, I had that. I had that. I The only girlfriends I had were girls that asked me out <laughs> when I was in high school. This is the truth. It went, when I, as soon as I found out somebody was interested, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, now I can be me. Right, but if, they, right. if I didn't know, I would just, you know. Also, isn't that, like, I think the comedy thing, too, is it, it comes, it goes hand in hand with flirtation. It's, it, for me, it does. So, like, I was, people wouldn't, like, 
like like uh, women that I was interested in would always be like, I had no idea because you act the same way around everyone. I'm like, yeah, because it's fucking safe. Like I will right. joke around and semi flirt with. But the, the thing I would do with somebody that if I really liked them was I would just be extra nice. So like I would do the yeah. extra. But they would, you know, it was That's so really minute. hot. That was, is really hot. Right. <laughs> I know that's so stupid. Oh, I my know. God. Yeah. Me, I've gone through the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, man. It is I, I, it's such a definitely a unique experience too with the, especially with the artwork, man. Do you still draw or no? Uh, not like for anything other than occasional recreation. I mean, I, you know, when I did SNL and the cartoons, I worked with like great artists. Who, nice. You know, I was like really good. And then I just stopped getting better. Like okay. I, I could draw peanuts and Dennis, the menace and Andy cap. And I don't <laughs> do you yeah. remember that card. I do. I have an Andy cap book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could draw a lot of cartoon characters and I could draw my friends as cartoons. But then I just developed other interests and just never, yeah. never got any better. So I work with people who got better nice, and who could draw anything. And, um, you know, occasionally I would draw stuff if I had an idea for a storyboard, that kind of thing. Or I would modify it, someone else's character drawing. Nice. I was like, okay, maybe make the eyes a little more like this, that kind of thing. But nothing, you know, I'm just not in their league. So I, and it's fine. I, you know. This is where I ended up just yeah. coming up with the ideas and you know. no, that's great. And like, I, I still draw, um, I put out a book of, of year, like, I don't know how many years ago now, but, um, and by the way, it went nowhere. So if you've never heard of it, don't worry about it. But I did put out a book of cartoons. Um, cause you know, going out on the road, I was always bored in the hotel rooms and stuff and I could draw and I had an iPad. So, you know, I would draw like little cartoons, like a single panel, and throw them up. And then I eventually had like 150 and I did like an art gallery show and they like the, wow. the, um, this, um, wow. um, art museum was like, Hey, we really liked your stuff. Would you come and display it? And I almost said no though, because you know, I saw who else was displayed. Like there's a dude who would take uh, uh, bumpers off of cars and like decor, you know, just beautiful. Like you could tell it, it took him hours. And then like other people doing real, you know, like, uh, crazy painting you know shit and then i put my little cartoons up on the wall and uh the art director was like this is the one that this is like the most popular of the whole thing would you mind giving us more sure. and i was like sense. blew my fucking mind i could see that i'm sure yeah. you know it, it it probably just connected with people you know? yeah and I, I know it was funny because they would ask you questions. They'd be like, how'd you, you know, and I'm like, well, I, I drew one line and I drew another and then I clicked the color I wanted, <laughs> like, you know, and I That's colored okay. it in. Getting, uh, when people get too precious about the creative process, sometimes it kind of turns into bullshit. Yeah, that's a good, that's true. Um so you're creating. No, I was like, so you're creating. <laughs> when you're thinking, about, I have I have a weird question for you though, because this is as a comedy fan, yeah. Um, and I've been a comedy nerd since I was in like you know middle school. But like, so your your generation and the guys that you hung out with and everything, like if you if if somebody you know if you look at like any books on comedy or several of those books or whatever, yep. You guys have this insanely extensive class that kind of like branches off into almost every aspect of television 
and uh you know television and live performance and whatever it is and now you know and you guys still collaborate like to this day is that something like is that anything that any of you ever acknowledge or talk about or does it kind of just is it just kind of are you used to seeing like it's like because there's um um oh my god i'm trying to think uh i'm I'm so sorry i'm blanking on his name i'm gonna have to edit it in and post maybe i'll use ai barack obama Um, barack thank you that that guy who ran the country for a bit of time um no who's Um, the um jimmy fallon's um steve higgins thank you like that he has been in almost every iteration like a background of a tv show like the mtv show with john stewart like you know yes. um so out there or whatever but like there's all of you guys together do you like did you know like it was all happening or were you guys just like um like did you guys look out for each other back then like how did like it is a weird group that you guys have you know what i mean like it's it's a cool group it's a it's you guys have all kind of been in each other's lives and and in that little circle forever it's you know you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know if I'm asking a real question, but it, it to me, an outsider of that kind of thing, it seems remarkable. And it seems like a very cool, like, you know, um, class to be in or to be involved in. I think um, <clears throat> probably when Saturday Night Live became mainstream and sort of spawned a lot of other sketch comedy on television, that um, the world just expanded and... And, you know, then there was just a lot of overlapping people who worked with Jon Stewart's show, Conan's show, Saturday yeah. Night Live. Um, you know, we all found each other. And, I mean, people at Jon Stewart's show ended up at Saturday Night Live after I was there. Okay. Um, you know, that's how, like, Higgins and Steele and I can't remember who else was from that universe. But, um, right. you know, and then there's... I mean, there's so much overlap because of Saturday Night Live. There's like, you know, that's where the Harvard Lampoon and Second City and stand-up comedy all intertwine. Sure. Is in that place. And, and, you know, and then that place spawned all these other similar venues. And um, so, yeah, I don't think there's anything conscious about it. Mm-hmm. I think it just... Um, I think just um, it's just a byproduct of of um, everybody kind of getting to know each other. Everyone's aware of every other show. At least right. back then, there were there were only like three or four shows. Right, <laughs> right. Now there's you know so many ways of being in show business. It, it there is, and it's weird because like those institutions are all you know. Um, you know, they created a lot of people, they gave a lot of people a lot of opportunities, but you could tell where people have come from, you know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, again, everything's going to change no matter what, but it's not like I can, I can, you know, be like, yeah, we're all from TikTok, you know, <laughs> like it, there's, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's not the, not, I don't know. I don't want to say it's not the same, like it's supposed to be the same, but it is just a different feel like, a, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's like, I, re- I was watching this documentary with, um, um, and, um, uh, no, Fran, Fran Lebowitz. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. And she had said something that I thought like hit me in a weird way where, um, you know, when you talk about the past decades, like 60s, 70s, 80s, that kind of shit, like, cause there's people who'll be like, God, why are people so obsessed with like prior decades or whatever? And she's like, well, when I was a kid, no one ran up to my parents and was like, Hey, what was it like in the thirties? And it was like, you know, you had those deck, like those, those decades solidified kind of who we are as a culture. 
So yeah. it's interesting, like, you know, I don't know if I just can't see it because obviously it's in the future tense. I just feel like I'm looking at stuff the way it is and I'm like, oh man, I don't know what people are going to have to reference or point to. Is that weird? Like, it's a weird thing to say. Is it just because I'm getting old? I think I'm just getting older. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a piece of shit. Like I, I <laughs> spiral. No, I mean, I know there's just a lot more to reference now than there ever was. Right. You no, know, 40 years ago, there's just way more, way more content. Right. Um, and so there are fewer shared uh, references. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's more people probably there's a bigger audience because you know the audience for referential humor used to just be you know movies and stand up but now it's like all these social media sites that mm -hmm. um so there's a bigger audience but there's uh it's much more splintered yeah um i don't know what it all means I don't need. Uh, I don't either, man. It is weird, but it's. I guess it's fun. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's agree that it's fun. Yeah, I yeah, I like that outlook. I try to give a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about um, the uh, Night of Too Many Stars? Um, I know you probably talked about it ad nauseum, but I have a cousin who's you know. I mean, I'm uh, got my little. Yeah. Uh, always have this button on autism awareness, um, right. and uh, but yeah, man, uh, it's. I think it's. I love watching the show. It wasn't live this year, was it? It was not on TV. Not on TV. Sorry, that's what we I meant. We just not did a show at the Beacon Theater. Right. Uh, because I didn't really have a platform. John Stewart and I used to do it on Comedy Central for many years. And then yep. that was bought by Viacom and their budget priorities changed. Ugh. And then John left The Daily Show and uh, moved. He had, a, he had a deal with HBO for a while. So HBO picked it up. Right. But then John left HBO. Oh, and okay. so they were less interested in it after that. Um, so, and we were going to do one in 2020, but then we, pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. um, so we finally did a live one. Nice. Uh, and it was great. Uh, it didn't make as much money as when we did it on TV, but, but it was very loose. Uh, a lot of people did stand up, which they are less light, less apt to do when it's on television because they don't want to burn material sure so it was a mixture of stand-up and like uh, a few fun audience participation things that we always do we like to do um live live auctions of strange things like you know one time people literally bid on the opportunity to take a pee with seth rogan and um <laughs> we made like i don't know a lot of money like two people Two people shared it and ended up like they both wanted it. So they both wow. did like 30 grand or something. I don't remember. And then the, we followed them into the bathroom with Seth. Tastefully shot them all urinating together. Uh, it was a very popular bit. That's great. That's the kind of shit we, we have done. One time Steve Carell offered to hold your... He will hold the winner's hand and simulate an orgasm. <laughs> and another time, John Oliver took someone outside the beacon and robbed a, the neighboring um, liquor store. <laughs> he stole li liquor in a cheese wheel. Uh, you know, done, Chris Rock, one of the best ones was Chris Rock. Uh, 
the the, the thing was Chris Rock will chew out your ex on the phone. Oh, I remember that one. That yeah. was great. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And Chris Rock uh, afterwards said, and this is Chris Rock talking. <laughs> that may have been the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in my career. Chris Rock said that. Like when he actually shit on this person over the phone. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, so, you know, I've always wanted it to be an event where the people participating don't feel like they just did it as a favor, that they actually feel like they got to score really hard and do something really fun and yeah, unique. So um, so that's very satisfying when when it works out that way. Yeah, man. It's always been every time I've seen it on TV, it was a, a blast. There, There is one where I swear to God, I was like the, Lewis Black was on one of them. I know he's done a couple, but there yeah. was one where he was telling a story about um, was it Belinda Carlisle and somebody uh, he, he was supposed to be doing this show and he does like a it, Lewis Black comes out. And he does like a bit of a stand up set about um, Belinda Carlisle and her husband embracing like they like, you know, because now she's a Christian rock singer, I guess. Belinda, and, are you sure it isn't Amy Grant? Fuck Amy Grant. Oh my God. I can't believe I, yeah, thank you. Amy Grant. It was Amy Grant. Okay. Now I remember it. Yeah. It was Amy Grant. Sorry, Belinda. You know, they all kind of, I'm like Debbie Gibson, Belinda Carlisle, Amy Grant. I don't don't know. The Go-Go's are another level for me. No, you're right. You're right. They're they're uh, way beyond Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. I know. I know. You're right. I'm an idiot. Just one man's opinion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he did that. And I like his, it was just the perfect fucking like bit i can't find it yeah. anywhere it's hilarious but i oh. i've thought about it a million times and i'm like I'll see Where? if i can find it for you oh and send it to you that'd I'm, be amazing I'm, probably so... have them all on tape somewhere oh man it was or such DVD. a good i was like this is fucking gold um he's great he's yeah he's, and a great guy too really great guy he's like genuinely like when once i got to meet him and and now i've gotten to talk to him a few times like i cannot believe like you, you probably had it like it's just surreal to me like you know so even talking by the way i you know i know you don't want to but even like talking to you and getting to meet you and stuff like that too oh it's i can one of the, imagine I God, can you imagine. know what I, <laughs> <laughs> right but you you Talk know what i mean no i yeah yeah but 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 like it was one of those things where, like lewis is genuinely the nicest dude like he's just great. genuinely like you know um and uh yeah he's the best but Although um, when I'm with him and, and he's being really nice, I'm like, is he really this nice or am I just shocked compared to his on camera persona <laughs> that he's actually like, just, it's like, you know, what seeing Lewis black smile. Yeah. Has like a, a different value than seeing, you know, Belinda Carlisle smile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's always well, smiling. Whereas yeah, absolutely. Lewis black, like, you're backstage and you see Lewis Black smiling. I'm like, wow, <laughs> what a guy. It's, it's still one of those things. Like if I text him and I get a response, I had to call him for something uh, recently. And I still like, I'm like, Oh, I hope I'm not bugging him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, I hope yeah. he's not going to be upset or whatever. And then he was like, uh, he was like, how are you? What, what's been going on? And I was thrown off by, having him ask me about my life. And I was like, yeah, I don't, yeah. do I have a life outside? I don't know. Out of this phone call. I don't know. Right. Um, just a sweet, sweet dude. Uh, 
But um, oh yeah. So before I want, I don't want to keep you any longer. But uh, I got to ask you the next three questions. Yeah, no problem. Uh, the last three questions I ask every guest on the show. So first question is a softball, bit of a softball question. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Oh, piece of advice for younger self. Um, oh boy. Uh. Man, I, these are hard questions. This is a softball. Oh, man. Like, the next uh, one's a doozy. Okay. So, I mean, I, I would probably, well, it's something that I try to say to myself, my older self, which is just don't be, don't worry so much. Just take it in, enjoy it, yeah. and uh, don't take it as seriously. That would be. Uh, that would have been good. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that. That's a great response. Um, second question is what had yeah. to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What had to end in my life, good or bad? Well, pre-dentistry, that's. Oh, was that what? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to be a dentist for a long time. Holy shit. Yeah, my dad was a great dentist. He had a great career. Awesome. Um, he developed tooth bonding. He was very successful. Whoa. And he, uh, and I just didn't have any inkling that I could really make a career out of this shit. I knew I was funny and I loved being funny, but um, I didn't. Also, like when I was a kid, yeah, I kind of wanted to be a cartoonist, but like the idea of being an actor or a comedian felt frivolous like somehow mm -hmm. that was somebody in my family or something it was kind of put in my head that that was a frivolous thing to do and i just remember being so um enamored with the original saturday night live and i remember just like lying on my back one day just picturing the cast in my head with robert klein who had just hosted oh nice yeah <laughs> and he was doing the i can't stop my leg bit Yep. That bit. Great bit. I can't stop my leg now. <laughs> and um, just thought about how much I love them and how much joy they brought me. And it was like an epiphany, like, oh, this is a worthwhile thing to do yeah. with your life. But it didn't change anything. I still chased pre-dental because I didn't think I could succeed. But, um, but then I, like entered a stand-up comedy contest at NYU and that um, I just whipped up an act Wow! in a weekend because nobody knew me at NYU. It was a commuter school at this point for me because I lived in Manhattan and I wasn't allowed to live in the dorms. So I was like, because I would pass by the comic strip, places like that, and daydream about open mic night. But I was like, what if someone sees me that knows me and I bomb? Yeah, yeah. It was that same kind of like, you know, not wanting to be caught looking like you want to do this thing right. that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But I had a fuck it attitude about, <laughs> about NYU. So, and I ended up being one of the winners Oh, nice. and that man. changed everything. That was like, and then it's the typical insecure artist turning into a monster, you know, like <laughs> you always think you suck until you get a little bit of positive reinforcement. I'm like, fuck it, man. This is yeah. great. <laughs> it's so psychotic. No, I hear you. You know, the, the bipolar kind of uh, 
Yeah. But, um, and that's kind of what happened. It was like, after that, I was like, I made strangers laugh. Yes. There's, and so it was just this thing. I continued pre-dental for a little while longer, but, but by then I had it in me like that this is worth pursuing or at least trying, you know? Yeah. So how, how were your parents, like, were they cool with you leaving the pre-dental thing and then pursuing your own career? Were they cool? Only because of the attrition aspect of it. Like if I had done it, like in my first in freshman year, it would have been alarming to them, but they got to see the painful decline (laughs) in real time. They got to see me get like a D minus in chemistry, my first term at, at Cornell and, you know, on the phone in tears telling them how badly I did. And they immediately just shut off the pressure valves and were just like, don't worry about it. You know, they're very compassionate and supportive people. And after a couple of years of bombing, I took a year at NYU and um, where I was like, I just want to take acting and communications and they let me and I had a great time, but I realized this is a waste of college. <laughs> oh man! For me, yeah. I thought like, this is not what you go to college for. This is what you do after college, whatever. Right. I don't want to make this my focus of college. So I went back, I stayed at NYU, majored in political science, which I was actually interested in Nice. and finished my pre-dental and then I got into my father's alma mater, NYU, only because he was my father. And wow. then I failed organic chemistry at the very end. And um, and at the same time, and this kind of overlapped with the stand-up contest and then going to Chicago and joining an improv troupe there. And that's, awesome. you know, but anyway, so yes. No, that's great. Was the thing that had to stop. It wasn't a... Psychol. It wasn't a uh, you know, wasn't a personal quirk. It was a an actual impediment that I had placed in my way because I didn't believe I could succeed. Wow, that's a great way to put it, though. Too you were you were the opposite of the L from Rudolph. (laughs) (laughs) You need yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to do it as a passion. I thought I'd be good at it, and even my dad was like, "I wish you didn't have to go through all this dental school stuff." Oh, yeah. Because he, oh. he knew that he could have just taught me everything I needed to learn for the type of dentistry he was doing, all right. the hands-on stuff. But I, I, and I would have been good at it. I just wouldn't have enjoyed it because I, I'm not a great one-on-one. Like, my dad had a great bedside manner, and I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I wouldn't have been good at putting people at ease. Hey, come on in. What's up? How about that game? You yeah. <laughs> It's just not my personality <laughs> just, at all. No, I feel you, man. I, I get weird about that kind of shit, too. And I'm like, oh, I said the wrong thing or the wrong game. They're like, there's no game. What are you talking about? Like, oh, <laughs> no, and then eventually I, there'll be one. Believe right? me, the only, that's the only good thing about my sports addiction. I love professional sports. And nice. it has helped me through a lot of uh, conversations with people who would otherwise just have no, they would not want to communicate with me. <laughs> I wish I knew more. I mean, I, I love going to a game. And I like, like, I love the whole environment of it. I like the the, the yeah. fans and how awesome they are. I like sitting in the thing, but mm-hmm. like, and I like the bigger, you know, I just don't. No, that's healthy. Oh, cool. Okay. Watching it on TV every night is not healthy. And that's what me and my kids do with basketball. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 I've indoctrinated them. My dad did it to me and now I've done it to my kids. My yeah. Kids. Yeah. You got to pass that on. 
I mean, the, the, the opposite effect of it is just me. I love, uh, I know more about the fucking comic book world than I do about Europe. You know, like it's upset. Like there's no, like, like I can tell you who everybody knows more about something than they know about Europe. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about Americans here. <laughs> they don't give that's a shit a about point. the rest of the world. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So last question uh, ties into the theme of the show. It's called Dystopia Tonight. Um, And uh, if this was a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, and you wake up, it's the last day for everybody. What do you think is the down? You think it's going to be political collapse, climate change? uh, Could be a comet, could be zombies, aliens, whatever you want it to be. But I need to know uh, how you're going out. What's going to be your epic death? Oh, you mean what, how I want it to go out or how I think it's going to happen? Both. It's, it's, what do you think is going to be the cause? And in that moment, how are you going to die? What's going to be your epic? I mean, how are you going out, man? What are you going to do? Jesus. Oh, yeah. So I know that we're going yes. down. You know, it's going because down. Because there's a comet coming or because. Aliens or not, whatever it's happening. Yeah. Or political collapse. Everything's in disarray. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go with political collapse because that would be the most uh, immediate, you know? Yeah still you know germ warfare that kind of shit right right um so let's just go with that because you know the reality which is climate change is going to be long and slow and painful yes um yeah (laughs) um how would i go out i mean i would just i mean honestly i would just be worried about my kids and what what was happening with them Oh man, that's a good turn. I mean, that was a a sincere answer. I wasn't, (laughs) I would just, I would be focused on my sons and what they Mm. were going through. I, that would be my coping mechanism too. At the same time, it's like, I'm yes, it's, I sound compassionate, but it's also, it would be a way of coping, like just getting out of my own head and my own anxieties and just, you know, thinking about, uh, being a dad, which is ultimately, oh. you know, more important. That was sweet as fuck. I was, I'm st- like, Mo, man, I, I like that a lot. That was very, very nice. <laughs> I was, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I'll, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to take yours and juxtapose it against uh, Colin Mockery's a couple years ago. Who? No, Colin let's Mo- hear that. I'm sure it was way funnier. I'm sorry not to come up with a oh, funny no. one. No, it doesn't. It could be whatever you want to be, but Colin. Well, Collins, let's hear Colin, it. Colin goes, um, Colin goes, I want it to be aliens and I want to go out with them using my body like a husk. <laughs> he goes, Ma- he goes, yeah, he goes, making love to me until I'm a husk and they have to use it Ooh. to fuel their ship. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? So, yeah, that was his. That's how he wanted to well, die. He, so, so he's getting off on this yes. as he's being yes. raped. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know. That was would be my second choice after looking out for my sons is like, what's the most intense orgasm I'm going to which 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 apocalypse is going to generate the most intense orgasm? That would be what do you what do you think Triumph would be doing? <laughs> oh, he would be um he would be like trying to suck up to Elon Musk and get on whatever spaceship. Yeah, he just the most he would the most craven. He would turn into the nicest dog imagine. Everything I said, I didn't mean look, let's wherever you're going, you're going to need someone like me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever 
<laughs> Why would I need you? Trust me. Poop on your enemy. You know, I'll help you with your tweets. Your posts. I'm sorry. They're called posts now. Oh, my Not God. Not that your tweets aren't funny, Elon. They're hilarious. Oh, fuck. That's great, man. Thank you so much for doing this, dude. I appreciate you coming on and spending time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good seeing you again. Yeah. Good seeing you, uh, too. Have you been to that coffee shop since uh, we were there? And since we broke it? Since we broke it. I want to just see if, the, if if it's still in good shape the way we left it. I have not. I've not been there since. But I think if we I think we should go back as inspectors and just <laughs> just start shaking the booths. Are these have you guys fixed these since we've been back? Or just pretend like, um, you know, just go up to them and say, this is faulty. There's something, you know, and just act like. Yeah. They had no idea. And um, oh, my God, that's thanks for pointing that out. Your cheeseburger is free. That's all. The whole thing is the free cheeseburger. And that's how we eat through the end of the world. We just use that one diner while it still stands. (laughs) (laughs) We just keep going back to that. Remember us? Yeah, yeah. Dystopia tonight.